From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a long career as an employed professional. Most of us off the bat, you know, if somebody were to say, what do you do? We would give them a job title rather than a concrete, fluent vocabulary of what we bring to the table in the workplace. Today on episode 108 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with the founder and CEO of Avara Careers, Sarah Baker Andrus. Within weeks into a shiny new dream job, Sarah knew she had made a huge mistake. 18 months later, she was laid off. That gift led Sarah to launch Avara Careers. If you've experienced unexpected bumps in your career journey, and you want to run your own successful business, you want to hear how Sarah turned a bad situation into a successful business that she loves. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you'd like to share your story on Going Solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Sarah Baker Andrus. Sarah is the founder and CEO of Avara Careers, a career coaching business. She's worked on all sides of the hiring equation. After more than 20 years in recruiting and PR with the same company, she got the itch and jumped to a shiny new dream job. Within weeks, she knew she had made a huge mistake. 18 months later, she received a gift in the form of a layoff. She started Avara Careers in 2014 and hasn't looked back. Sarah helps others figure out what kind of work will make them feel great about getting out of bed in the morning. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. So I love your bio. It's um, sad, but not uncommon that people have an itch and they pursue it and it doesn't quite work out the way they expect. That's right. And in particular, right, if you've been in a, in doing the same thing, whether it's a job or something else for, for such a long time, like in your case, over 20 years, it must have been super disappointing mm. to have discovered within a few weeks that you made a huge mistake. It was devastating. And I think particularly because I had held a lot of various roles within the same organization. Otherwise, I think I probably would have left a a lot sooner, but I was really given the opportunity to have a, a broad range of engagement in all things having to do with talent management, human resources, and and public relations is the direction where I moved there in in my last several years. So Having been from the beginning a career counselor, that was my academic background and training, and then worked in recruiting, I thought, if I could make this kind of a mistake, if I could, with my background, miss the red flags, then it's no wonder that so many people have trouble around uh, making decisions about what's next. But you stayed in the job for 18 months. You didn't just bail right away. I did not quit. No, I did not quit. I did not feel that that would have been a good strategic decision. So I would say within the first six weeks, I started reaching out to people and looking for advice on how to manage that situation. And everybody said, get out of there. And I was doing everything I could to figure out what might be next. And that did take 18 months because the responsibilities of the job were, and one of the issues was that it was too much job for one person. And so the amount of time I had to really give to making a move was extremely limited. And I think that's, I think 
I mean, not not to be <laughs> dark-minded about it, but I think a lot of organizations count on people being overwhelmed to some degree so that they can't even look up from their desks and think about what else might be out there. I think that is sometimes, for some people, a management strategy. Interesting. Yeah, I've never thought about it as being a management strategy. It is certainly a syndrome. There's certainly yes. people, right, people that are that are in high pressure, high achieving jobs that really don't have the space to self-reflect, which makes it really hard to plan your next move. That's right. Exactly. And I don't, you know, I realize that may come off as a little bit cynical, but I see it as such a trend that I have to believe that something systemic is going on there. And I talked to so many people who found themselves in that exact same situation. I was really thoughtful about what my next move was going to be, which was another reason why it took me some time. And they just beat me to it, which was awesome because then I got the severance and then I got the, you know, the kind of, uh, I had a little bit more financial runway to uh, make my next decision, which is valuable. Right. It, it, it does make a difference. Yet at the same time, how did it feel to be laid off? <laughs> yeah. You have to ask yourself, why did this happen to me? And I have so much compassion for people in this situation because from as somebody, and I think this is especially true in our in our culture, we define ourselves and our perceived value as professionals by where we work and what our title is and what we do and how we contribute. That is how many of us define ourselves. So it was devastating. It was absolutely devastating. And it's only on reflection that I can look at it as a gift. But you know, I, I felt that I had been foolish. I had had several sort of possibilities that I didn't move on because they weren't perfect. And I was constantly second guessing myself, should I have gone for one of those? Should I have simply left? And uh, it was very tough. A, a lot of self-examination on, you know, what what I learned from that. And I would say that that introspective experience and reflection was really what helped me build Avara uh, into the business it is today because I did copious journaling during that time and and really talking to a lot of people to see what their experiences were. And I think that helps me even up till today do the work that I do. Sarah, how long was this period where you were primarily working on self-reflection? Mm. It was probably, I want to say about eight months. It was, uh, yeah, it was eight to nine months before I, I got up and uh, began to take some action on on a next steps. Yeah. And it wasn't that I was doing nothing during that time. I had some consulting gigs and other opportunities to bring in some income, and I pursued those. But one of the things that I discovered was that these consulting gigs and these interim roles that I was taking, even if they were temporary or part-time, that they really were interfering with my capacity to build the business out and to give that the attention that it deserved. And it wasn't until I finally decided to say, to sort of finish out a few commitments and say no to additional outside contracts and business that I was really able to to make a go of Avara and make that my, making that my focus was the key to my success in my case. Yeah. Did you find that, that doing some of the, the part-time or interim work 
where you knew that it wasn't directly related to what you wanted to build in Avara, that, that those roles still didn't take as much energy as either the job that you had left or what you ended up doing to try to build Avara, but, but still gave, gave you some space to do self-reflection? That is a great question. I tend towards workaholism. And so even if the job was was temporary or part-time or interim, I I was giving it my all. I didn't want to disappoint. And usually when I was going in, it was because there was, there was a crisis. I had something of a reputation for putting out fires effectively. So I didn't feel as much space as I probably could have felt, <laughs> mostly because of pressures I put on myself. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Because one of the things I, I talk to people about is how important this self-reflection period is. Yes. Because it's what I've seen people that try to build something new that will produce income for a long term often spin their wheels a bit if they mm-hmm. haven't done some self-reflection, especially if they're coming out of a long history of employment. I think you're absolutely right. And I can't I could not have possibly accomplished what I did and actually gotten off to the good start that that I got off to had I not been extremely thoughtful about how I was going to execute on the business. So given the fact that we're so, we define ourselves so much by the kind of work we do and, and who we work for if we're employed, what did you call yourself during that period hmm. of self-reflection? You know, I don't recall calling myself anything. And I don't recall having trouble with that. I know that, and certainly a lot of my clients report that one of the most difficult things for them to do is the uh, is the sort of tell me what's going on, the family reunion, the party, the get together, the social inquiries. How's it going? What's going on? What are you doing? And I was very honest about what I was doing. And I actually think that that is a great strategy for getting interesting insights. So rather than calling myself a consultant or calling myself a coach or saying I was an entrepreneur, I would say, you know what, I'm exploring what my next step is going to be. And here's what I'm thinking about. And I was very, I was singularly focused. I didn't have like a bunch of different ideas. I was focused on building a career coaching business. So I said, I'm thinking about building a career coaching business and I'm looking at what that would take. And I'm taking some time for reflection about how I wound up in this situation so that I don't lose the lesson in all of that. Yeah. So what were some of the the really helpful things that you heard Mm. because you were so upfront about going through this process? Yeah. Well, well, the great thing is I think when we're transparent with people that we can, we can find some compassion and when we're laid off, it's nice to have a little compassion, you know, rather than necessarily people saying, do this, do that. They're going, wow, that, that's interesting. That that must have been difficult. And, and so I found support, number one. The second thing that I found was a, were amazing affirmations for the direction that I was taking from people who knew me best. So people who had worked with me for years where I had been kind of an internal career coach for anybody who wanted to leave the business I had been with for a long time, even internal to the point of, of where, you know, people who were it was being suggested maybe they should uh, look for something else were referred my way. And I kind of had a reputation for that. And, um, and so I got a lot of encouragement. I got 
some very concrete suggestions. Oh, if you're going to do that, you need to talk to her. If you're going to, if you're thinking about this, you know who you should call? You should call this guy. And so I got a tremendous wealth of information and resources, and I felt resource rich in terms of the support that I had. Right. Which wouldn't have happened had you said from day one, I'm a career coach. This is what I'm doing. Not at all. Yeah. Fascinating. So now with someone, someone who has gone through some significant transformations, what have you learned and how do you position yourself as a career coach and consultant? Hmm. That's a great question. You know, I think that it's important to be clear on who you want to serve and what that what distinguishes you specifically in the coaching world because there are so many of us out there who coach and i think it's important to be really clear on who we want to serve who we do our best at serving and when i think about that i think my sweet spot is that i help people see a path forward in their career with a proven process that can help them navigate the complexities of finding work that's going to work for them. And, you know, I was saying earlier about in America, we really define ourselves and and, uh, identify by our profession. So isn't it ironic that we do almost nothing to help people learn how to find a job? And this is, these are skills like any other. This can be learned. And I... I kind of laugh at the fact that when when do we talk about careers? We talk about careers when we're 18 years old and we're deciding what we're going to major in in college. And then we might talk about it again in junior, senior year, thinking about what we're going to do after college as though that is the only career decision we will ever make. Well, there was a time when the assumption was that you were going to work for one or a very small number of big companies for most of your working life, and you would be doing one kind of of job in, in one field. That's right. For all of your career. I mean, that was certainly the assumption when I graduated from college with an engineering degree. It was assumed that I would go to work for a major corporation, have lots of different kinds of opportunities, and, uh, and in those days, there would be something that's unheard of today. It doesn't exist anymore, which is a pension. Exactly. Right? Unless you work for the government or you're a member of a union or maybe <laughs> you work for a utility. Those, there, there are right. no pensions, right? It's, everything is self-funded. I think we've really failed our generations and the generations that have come after us in terms of not addressing that massive gap in reality versus the structure And I think it's imperative that we really build skills in this area of becoming fluent in ourselves, in what we offer. Some of the work that that I do is helping people get very clear in their skills and characteristics, because most of us off the bat, you know, if somebody were to say, what do you do? We would give them a job title rather than a concrete, you know, fluent vocabulary of what we bring to the table in the workplace. So what, what's a good example of how, how somebody should describe what they do is a, without mentioning who they work for? 
Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, I, I think of, I know that many of your listeners are thinking about entrepreneurship, thinking about go, going solo. And and it it reminds me of a conversation I recently had with, with Aaron, who he's a tech guy. He, he's a senior executive in a, in a tech company. And he, you know, as we just, he's got the itch. He wants to make a move. So we're talking about what this next move is going to be. And we're doing a complete inventory of what his skills are. And one of the richest ways to do that is actually to work on high point stories of achievement. Think about times when we were really happy, when we were engaged, when we were invigorated by the work we're doing. And then as you tell me that story, as Aaron is telling me this story, I'm writing down the skills I hear and I'm noting oh my gosh, we've got collaboration, we've got technical capacity, we've got budgeting and finance, we've got adaptability and flexibility. So it's a combination of hard skills and soft skills. And as he what is you know, interviewing for these jobs, we're looking at one in particular and he says, well, this one looks good, but what do you think about this idea of me going out on my own? And what if I just do what I know needs to be done to solve this problem? So we start to probe into his work style, his financial expectations and needs, his personal considerations of of going solo, and then taking a hard look at those skills and characteristics. And the real question is, does he have some foundational characteristics that are going to help him be successful as an entrepreneur? For example, is persistence and comfort at going up against obstacles, one of his strengths, right? Does he have experience with that? Can he point to times in his past when he's had the stomach to deal with some disappointment? And uh, what about rejection? You know, does he have any sales experience at all? So many people who do this, and they and I, I speak to a lot of people who come to me as a career coach to re-enter the job market after they've started something and were lacking those sales skills, Right. And so then we have to examine, well, what do you really want? Is it that, could we just fix a gap or do you really want to go back to work? Yeah, you you can learn how to sell. You can learn how to sell, exactly. So, you know, I think it it really involves looking at, are we motivated intrinsically by whatever our idea is? And do we really believe that we can do this? Is there enough ego and self-confidence to carry us through? And, and where we see gaps how might we fill those gaps rather than just ignore those gaps? And, and, you know, in his case, he decided to go into business with a partner because of the work we did together. We decided that that might be the best situation for him. And the venture's just getting started. He's invigorated. He's challenged. He's, you know, he's got some idea of the bumps in the road because we did this self-reflection. Yeah. And also starting with a partner, particularly if you're not so strong in the sales skills, that's right. The partner can be really helpful. And if you have a partner with a partner stronger in the sales skills, but maybe weaker in some of the technical areas that the business serves, that could be a great combination. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. How committed do you think people need to be to entrepreneurship to be able to make the transition? Like you've done, like people that you coach who are trying to do it. Hmm. So let's talk about what points us in that direction. So often, I think people take a step into the entrepreneurial waters for the wrong reasons. Sometimes it's a a way to perhaps avoid 
a job search or they've tried a little bit of job hunting and they don't really, they're not committed to that and they don't really want to do that. Sometimes they have unrealistic expectations and don't understand how long this takes and what type of really broad skills are required. Right. Particularly if you're going into consulting or coaching, it it's not like you get another job and all of a sudden your income goes from zero to a hundred percent on day one. It could take several years. It can take several years. And there are a lot of people out there who are selling something different. They're selling the different story of passive income. Well, building a business is not a passive activity. Uh, can you get passive income? Well, maybe eventually, but not out of the gate. And then the other biggest misconception is flexibility. Flexibility doesn't come until much later. And if you're really into this, you have to be into it more than 100%. You have to be living, breathing it. And I, for myself, I don't know if this is true for others, but I would say that my entrepreneurial adventure has been the greatest personal and professional development experience of my life because I have had to take a good hard look at who I am and how I operate. And that is not for the faint hearted. <laughs> no, for sure not. I can certainly relate to that. So the commitment is not just the hours. It's the commitment to the, you know, to the endurance, to the pain, to the, you know, it's a serious commitment and it's very difficult to get a business off to a good start if you're not taking it seriously. That's for sure. So with that in mind, I know that you have a special offer. I do. Um, that I think will be very helpful in this regard. Do you want to talk about it and then also share how people can get in touch with you and access any other resources that you have? Sure. This is something I put together primarily for the job hunter, but it is equally useful for anybody who's considering starting a business. It's 10 days to jumpstart your job search. And it goes through everything from how to answer the question, tell me about yourself, which is a critical question if you're going to look at entrepreneurship, and talks in depth about networking, which is probably one of the singular most important skills in building a business, is how do we connect with people? How do we build relationships? How do we go back to people that we used to be connected with? And what do we say to those people? And what, you know, if I'm asking for a meeting, then the agenda's on me. And how do I set intentions for making those meaningful conversations? So every day for 10 days, you get an email with a video from me walking you through these steps. And people can find it at my website, which is Avara Careers, A-V-A-R-A-H, careers.com slash subscribe for the first 10 days, you'll get those emails and afterwards you'll you'll get a weekly newsletter with uh, hot tips and advice and uh, suggestions, all things uh, having to do with uh, our careers. Sounds great. Well, Sarah, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to today to join us on Going Solo and share your insights. My guest has been the founder and CEO of Avara Careers, Sarah Baker Andrus. Thank you again, Sarah, for joining us. Thank you so much for the opportunity. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how to find work that makes you feel great and much more. If you'd like to share your story on Going Solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them learn how to build a successful business after a long career as an employed professional. 
Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.